So, I am going to try to record this episode by myself. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long I can record. Um, Aubrey Drake Graham, uh, dropped a new, um, album Friday morning at eight o'clock in the morning, like a psychopath. <laughs> um, I guess it was eight o'clock Eastern time. I'm used to things like being central time. So I never know like, uh, what time anything is coming out. They used to bother me a lot with Netflix series. Because I was just like, I'm just here, fam. I don't know if it's going to come out at 2 p- uh, two a.m. Pacific time or if it's going to come out at 12 o'clock my time. But I am here. So, um, I can't remember how I found out. But they were saying that um, For All the Dogs uh, was going to come out in the morning. So, I took my happy milk uh 30 year old ass to sleep i was like i'll just listen to this before work which is what i'm sure most drake fans or hip-hop fans i mean drake extends past the culture we'll talk about that a little bit later um he extends past the culture and he's a pop star and i'm not meaning that in any malicious or nefarious way he's literally a damn pop star so i was just like i'm gonna go to work uh i'll listen to it before i go to work so i'm listening to it and it's jamming i ain't gonna front um he's not saying much but it, it sounds sonically it sounds good and then you listen more and more and you're just like okay same old drake which I mean, if you like it, you like it. Uh, but I felt like it was like Certified Lover Boy, which is not a bad album, but it is not a an album that I would be like, you know what? This is a definitive moment in Drake's catalog, which I think is something that a lot of people are missing with all of this, like um. No bullshit. I've been critical of Drake. But no bullshit. Drake has the potential of being one of the greatest rappers of all time. And I felt that way from the beginning. That's also why I kind of got frustrated with some of the singing. I do think it's a necessary thing uh, for how long he has been on the top. But at the end of the day... Them bars that he was spitting, he had the potential of being the GOAT. Or at the very least, at the very least being next to who I feel like is the GOAT and also who other people feel like is the GOAT. For me, the GOAT, Jay-Z. Um, 
for most people of my generation and for me for a while was Lil Wayne. Um, but Drake is one of those talents. And I think that's why people are so hard on Drake. Because if it was just one thing, it would be one thing if he was a, a future. We've accepted who future is. Future is going to make fuckboy anthems. And they're going to be re- very good fuckboy anthems. But we're not looking for depth or uh, insecurity or things that make like a true artist. Drake gave us glimpses of that when he was in his 20s. Which is when me and most millennials learned about Drake. Uh, comeback season came out 2006. I was a senior in high school. It was first semester senior high school. And like, yeah. And it's, I think So Far Gone came out. I think I said A&M. So I think probably be my sophomore year. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um, And I could relate a lot to what he was talking about. Now, the this is where it gets a little complex so for me i could relate a lot to that then and some people have said that drake has not has always drake has always been the same and when i really started thinking about that i was just thinking yeah i could totally relate to what Drake was saying when I was 21 and I wasn't getting girls or I wasn't going on dates or whatever. Yeah, I can, I, I did agree a lot with Marvin's room, which to me, take care is still his best album. Um, not saying that it's like just head up, but like, cause I feel like, um, I always, this is the problem with Drake. I remember the album covers and I don't remember the names. So the one with him in the clouds that has so far gone, that's a good album. If you're reading this, this is, is a really good album. Uh, Views from the Six is a good album. But I feel like Take Care means something to like me and millennials my age in a different way. But I related to a lot of that. I remember when uh, Marvin's Room came out. And Old Heads was like, this is some sucker shit. And I was just like, I I understand this shit. And then I started getting women. And I was like, this is some sucker shit. So, like, I get it. Both ways. The thing is, we have to get to a point to where... We have to ask ourselves, have we aged out of Drake? Or has Drake aged out of us? I'll give that for you people that like get philosophical about this shit. But um, have we aged out of Drake? The answer so far... And, and that's what makes it weird. I'm not even saying that the album sucks. I have said certain things suck. Like, I feel like, honestly, Nevermind 
production wise was amazing and i was talking to a couple people on twitter about how i feel like that's a good album instrumental wise and i have a theory i I, has not been uh tested or anything that um so that album came out right before beyonce's renaissance came out and i've always had a feeling that drake knew the writing was on the wall and he wanted to put out a house album before Beyonce did. And so he hurried the production. Well, not production. He hurried the lyrics and the lyricism of it a little bit faster than what a normal Drake project would probably be. Um, One thing I feel the reason why he did that was because Heat It, which is a Beyonce song, which is one of the better songs on uh, Renaissance, was co-written by Drake. So I wonder if like Drake just went in and was just like, yo, he saw what was going on and it lined up to what he was going, he had going on. And he was like, let me get up in front of this before anything else pop off. And I say that because he's also dropped... He dropped the 21 Savage album since then, and he's dropped this new album since then, and it's a lot of the same material or like same vibes and stuff. And I wonder if he was really gonna like try to do like an 808s and Heartbreak like type of feel with uh Honestly Nevermind. And Timon just got the worst of him. Like we like the lyrics, like with those beats, they don't have to be like super like lyrical, miracle, spiritual, but you got to at least act like you're trying. And I feel like that wasn't happening. And I feel like with this album, that wasn't happening and say what you will about Aubrey Drake Graham, but he has a nice pen. I feel like everybody can admit to that. And he's very good at what he's good at. And that's not like coming through as much. Um, This is part of the conversation. But uh, Joe Button uh, noted uh, Drake's stand. And also, Drake was a Joe Button stand. We're going to put that out there. A lot of people might not know that. But yeah. A lot of overlapping and things, but um, on Joe Button's podcast, he made a significant part of the podcast about Drake needs to sound more mature and needs to hang out with more mature people for his music. And he ran down the list of things. Now, the part of it that I will disagree in is like when he was talking about like with J. Cole, that J. Cole just like was in the studio, just felt like he saw a nigga sleeping and he was just about to take it because J. Cole has the best verse on that fucking album. It's not even close. And quick aside, I would like to apologize to Jermaine Cole. I uh for the I look I felt like for the longest, Kendrick is the goat of the big three. Drake got the hits, Kendrick got the artistry, and Cole 
had the MCing skill. I haven't changed too much on that, but if somebody wants to make the argument that J. Cole is the GOAT, I'm not even going to say you crazy or not. I get it. I totally fucking get it. As far as like how MCs were for me growing up, J. Cole fits that. And it seems like older niggas respected a little bit more from J. Cole. Like, I saw uh, Big Daddy Kane when he was on Drink Champs, and he was saying that, uh, like, he quoted that uh, part of that verse that um, J. Cole did. I can't, on it might have been L.A. Leakers. It was a freestyle. And he quoted it mid-sentence, and I'm like, okay. He got the old gods. Like, hey, what they saying? Uh, what they saying? Um... Game of Thrones, um, for to the new gods and the old gods, that is J. Cole. Jermaine Cole is that nigga. He is him, as the kids say. Jermaine Cole is him. Because that verse on first person shooter. <sighs> bro, are you fucking serious? Niggas ain't rapping like that no more. Let's just say that also. Niggas ain't rapping like that no more. And that's part of the indictment against Drake. Old, like, 2013 Drake? Probably would have never had, like, Cole on, a, like, an album cut. 2023 Drake? Think he that nigga. And will put a nigga that will chop his motherfucking head off. But... I don't think Cole did that maliciously. It's just Cole just tends to top. Like, I don't think Cole did that maliciously. I just think that J. Cole is a nigga that inadvertently chops niggas' heads off when he's on the same song as them. The reluctant headhunter, if you will. But anyway. So, criticism came from Drake. Like, came for Drake. Some people love this album, though. Like, don't get that, like, twisted in all of this. Some people really love and enjoy this album. I enjoy this album a lot. But what I will say is, the way that that man responded to criticism has been very crazy. First and foremost, he has sneak disses for what seems to be Rihanna. And Esmeralda Spalding drop like on some long beef shit. The Esmeralda Spalding thing was really weird. Along with the Rihanna shit. I mean, cause this is a this is a woman that's been in a serious relationship with two niggas. I, I mean, has okay. This is a woman that has been in a serious relationship with one man that has two babies with him. They are clearly booed up. And this nigga seems to be still in his feelings. And that is fucking insane. The other part of it is. After that Joe Button shit. Drake been using uh, Twitter fingers. Which this is the nigga that made Twitter fingers turn to uh, trigger fingers famous. In that uh, Meek Mill diss. It's, been, it's just been a lot of weird shit man. 
A lot of these young niggas have been trying to make excuses about things that they don't fucking know about. Like they were just like, what was what was Jay-Z doing at 36? And then they pulling up lyrics from Kingdom Come or songs. I saw one tweet where they pulled up three songs. Now the three songs they pulled up was Hollywood, Anytime, and uh Beach Chair. Hollywood features Beyonce. And as everybody that knows that listens to this podcast knows, I love Beyonce just as much as I love Jay-Z. I absolutely hate Holiday as a song. It's one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Now, granted, one of my uh, classmates from Gremlin brought up that there's a New Orleans Bounce song that was based off of it. That is fucking amazing. Not going to disagree with that. What I will disagree in is I still hate that song. Anything features Usher, who is another one of my favorites of all time. Hate that song. Hated it. I hate, like, that song, like, that album came out my uh, senior year of high school. It came out my senior year of high school. Um, Hove had retired before then. And so that was his first album since the Black Album. And I was excited. And I went to Best Buy the day that came out. And I got the deluxe version with the DVD and all the shit. And uh, that album did not suck by any means. Had a lot of my least favorite Jay-Z tracks. But also had a lot of bright moments. The opening track, The Prelude, is fucking amazing. Oh my god is amazing kingdom come is a great song lost ones is a good introspective song minority report is good uh beach chair is amazing and they chose beach chair as the third song for like like an example of jay-z being a bad rapper and beach chair was not a bad song beach chair is a lot of people's one of people's favorite jay-z songs that life is but a dream to me I don't want to wake up. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so people were pointing to that. And people were saying that Jay-Z did not come out with an introspective album or a more mature album until he was almost 50, which is 444. I'm going to have to disagree. And every Jay-Z fan knows this. They're going to have to disagree. Reasonable Doubt is Jay-Z's first album. And Reasonable Doubt is a very introspective album. In multiple ways. He's talking dope shit, but he also talking about grown man shit. He's talking about both sides of the game. And how the game eats at you. That's why you get a song like Regrets. Like, it's there. And this is there on Jay-Z albums. Now, granted... Kingdom Come is not the, the strongest effort for a grown man album, but it was grown man for the time it is. It was a different time. This is Lil Wayne, uh, Kanye, and a lot of other people's heyday. This is the rise of trap music. You got Jeezy, fucking T.I. putting out amazing albums. Rick Ross put out uh, Port of Miami that year. It's a lot of good shit out here in these streets. And 
Hove stood up with the best of them. Was that the best album to come back on after the Black album? Absolutely not. Some filler, some of that. So you get Kingdom Come. You get uh, American Gangster my freshman year of college, which is the next year. And Kingdom Come is, I mean, not Kingdom Come. American Gangster is an amazing album. It's introspective. It's very grown and very reflective of things. You get blue, uh, the Blueprint 3, which sucks. A lot of it sucks. A whole lot of it. I could not make uh, excuses for that album. And I would not make excuses for that album. I love Hove. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> um, then we got Magna Carta Holy Grail. This is where a lot of people fell off. I feel like that is the parallel to. Here's the real question. I didn't even think about it. Until I, like I, I started thinking about this. Is Magna Carta Holy Grail better than. For all the dogs. From a grown man perspective or just a music perspective. I cannot say. I think For All the Dogs might be better than Magna Carta Holy Grail. Even though that has a couple of my favorite songs by Hove. Um, like. <laughs> Beach is better. Uh, Fuck With Me, I Got It. Um, BBC. Um, Blue. I mean, it has some good songs on it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I feel like people like Jay-Z and Drake will all ma- will always have good songs. Even on bad albums. And I feel like that happened with Magna Carta Holy Grail. And then you get to 444. Which some people still don't like 444. Um, for numerous reasons. 444 is adult Jay-Z being adult Jay-Z. It's personal, but not too personal. Like, Hove is only going to give you so much. And is more open than most of his songs and albums about his relationship with Beyonce. But it's, it's very good. I don't think Drake has to give us a 444 for us to be like Drake is maturing. He just has to quit catering to what seems to be like incels and people that just flat are just misogynist. Along with, you know, quit texting, quit texting, uh, you know, young women. Yeah, but, uh, Drake just has to grow up, man. Um, Of the big three, J. Cole has given us grown man bars and grown man reflection in his albums and songs. Kendrick has also been doing that in a very different and abstract way, which we have given Kendrick uh, the mantle of being like a poet and an artist to where he doesn't have to do things a certain way. I think we've given that to Drake as just being a superstar 
where he doesn't have to do certain things. And now he's feeling the backlash of that. Not in a real way. I mean, he's going to have a number one album. He's going to make money. But what what are you saying in it? People have made the point that Drake doesn't talk about uh, black issues or racism or things like that. Which is something that you would think you would hear a little bit from from one of the greatest rappers of his generation. Which I will never take away from Drake. I might disagree with a lot of things he do, like a lot of things he does and says, but I will never take away that he's one of the greatest of our generation. He might be the millennial hove without putting his neck on the line or saying anything introspective beyond these 25-year-old girls don't appreciate him. He's the same thing he was saying when he was 25. When I was 25. So, um, I'm not sure how I'm going to edit all of this. Um, so me and Kim are on ridiculously crazy schedules right now. She is booked and busy. And that is awesome. But it's been hard to, for us to schedule uh, lately. Um, So, I get nervous when I record by myself. Recording by yourself is very hard. The last episode we put out was the joint podcast with the Black Card podcast and Molly with the most. Which was awesome. Hopefully y'all go back and listen. Uh, that's always fun uh, connecting with both those podcasts and y'all please follow them on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you can follow podcasts. But like in that episode, uh, all of us talk about how Molly does this every week by herself. Every time she's recording, she is by herself and you wouldn't think she's by herself. You just feel like you're part of the conversation. So hopefully... That's how this episode is going to go because I'm doing it by myself. Um, I've recorded all of these things at different times. So the quality hopefully is going to sound the same. There's one segment I did record on my phone. But I just kind of wanted it to be raw. I'll probably leave that at the end. Um, but yeah, hopefully y'all enjoy this. Um, we'll get back to our regular schedule. It's just, uh, mama got to make that money. And I'm happy for her because she, she's good at it. Um, but yeah, uh, eventually I'm going to start doing some other stuff too, just on the side, outside of the podcast. But, uh, yeah, we'll always work on the podcast because that's my best friend, bro. That shit ain't going to change. So I might edit that because one person, uh, we ain't going to say no names, Said I'd be getting too sappy. But bro. <laughs> I lived a lot of my life. On trying to appease people. And I've gotten recently to the point. To where I've fully accepted who I am. Not saying that it's perfect. And I'm not working through things. It's just. I mean. I know who I am at this point. 
there are things about me that I'm still discovering, but yeah. Um, I do want to be honest and just be like, a lot of the things I have been struggling with have just been personal things. Um, I also had a death in my family that was pretty close in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'm just trying to get back into my groove. Uh, the thing that people, I feel like people that are like creative people, either they do it like for other people's consumption or just for their own consumption. I feel like they'll understand this. Uh, sometimes you kind of get a creative block just based on some of the things you're going going through. And you're you're having a fight against that. So it's uh yeah. I'm I'm doing better on that, but uh yeah, I just wanted to be in a good space. Uh a lot of episodes when we did when we first started were so raw and we were so vulnerable. I always want to have a level of vulnerability, but I don't want to uh, just unload. And I just want to keep certain things private in my life. But I'm getting back to normal. Um, everything on a line back up and we'll be back on schedule. Uh, sometimes it's a lot of things I've recorded this year that I haven't put out. Not because it's not uh, the quality that I want to put out. It's just, it's just, been, I don't know. It's been a lot harder to uh, keep that part of, like, parts of my life off here where it's not just trauma uh, dumping. Especially because I don't want to do that, like, with Kim. Because we both go through real life shit. And I just want to be respectful. This is very vulnerable. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I'm. I also recorded uh one of the segments on video, so hopefully by the time y'all listen to this, it'll be up on YouTube. Hopefully, um, I have been experimenting more with video. That's something we'll start doing. I know I keep teasing it, but that's. One of my uh, anxiety things. I have been nervous about stepping out on that. I feel like I'm pretty good at podcasting. And you can hear the emotion in some of my voice sometimes. But you seeing like my facial expressions. I feel like that's a little bit uh, more personal to me. People have wrong assumptions about why I don't want to do video. Um... It's just when you spill your soul in one part of your creativity, you just wonder how much of that are you giving out for free and how much of that you should hold for yourself. And yeah, so that's my first rant. Hopefully y'all enjoy this episode. Um, Please subscribe to us. Uh, we're working on merch and other things and a new website because, yeah, a lot has happened this year. Uh, 
I have not been as consistent as I would like to be. And I'm sorry for that. Um, Because, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Enjoy. (laughs) I promise this episode would not be a bummer. I do promise that. social media especially parts of social media that tend to uh be predominantly black you have seen a tiktok of a young lady who uh went on a date and she's filming all this she went on a date and uh, she said that she wasn't interested in the guy. He had been just, you know, just in her mentions in uh, Texas. And then, so he eventually uh, asked her out. And she was like, all right, I'll go. And they go to her favorite spot. I believe it's called Fontaine's in Atlanta. And they have, uh, I guess, uh, $15 oyster like dozen oysters some day of the week. So she goes with this guy. Uh, he had asked her out for drinks, but they wind up going to that place. Uh, he gets one drink and homegirl orders a dozen oysters. I'm like, I mean, that's cool. That's, you know, I've been places. You know, order a dozen oysters while you wait or as an appetizer for everybody. And she's got her drink. She got a lemon drop. Uh, She's talking crazy. Like, this lady is talking crazy. But, hey, be you. Um, so, you know, she's filming. So, you know, that first tray come through. Then another tray comes through, like, okay. Then another tray comes through. And then a fourth tray comes through of another set of dozen oysters. And at that point, that woman in the voiceover says, all right, what I'm going to eat next, and picks up the menu. Orders two crab cakes and I believe some kind of potatoes. Now, mind you, everything that this lady has shown looks amazing. It looks like a nice vibe. But how greedy can you be, lady? So, like, this brother has only ordered one drink, apparently, and he's been babysitting it. He saw the writing on the wall. He like, hold up, let me not run up my tab too much if I'm going to have to pay for goddamn uh, Joey Chestnut of Atlanta over here. Like, that lady was going in on the oysters, making, like, all the most disgusting noises. Like, she was, like, just slurping and burping them oysters like she was Jabba the Hutt. And I'm just like, golly. And I'm not even seeing her smash them. 
that's just the the sounds that are coming from on this TikTok. Like y'all gotta go listen to that. That is crazy. So apparently dude says I'm going to the bathroom. 20, 30 minutes passed by. She texts him and he bounced. He like, nah, I ain't doing all that. Like Shorty was wild. So, you know, of course she called him broke and all this other shit. And then the bill ends up being like $185 (laughs) for lunch. That is insane. $185. Uh, I believe she tips like 15 in cash and like another like 11 on the card or whatever. And she's just dogging this dude out on TikTok. And the reactions on like Twitter and stuff have been weird. I mean, it's not weird because everything happens on Twitter and TikTok is weird. But it seems that like lately it's been this like this faux feminist like thing of where like just women just should be able to do whatever the fuck they want on the first date. Which I'm not like in general, I'm not against that idea. And I believe that dudes on the first date should pay. And I I mean I believe dudes should pay all the time. But that only works if we are operating on the same level of respect. And that's where a lot of these people got the game fucked up. Like, bro, respect me as a person. Respect me as a man and respect my money. You are a stranger to me. And I'm going to put my best foot forward. But God damn it. If you order 48 fucking oysters and then pick up that goddamn menu asking what's what you going to eat next, I'm about to bounce too. <laughs> like, don't play in my fucking face. And I know a lot of women were jokingly just being like, that's right, that's what you do. Like, nah, bro. We, you, like, but I, it, look, it wasn't all women on social media saying that, like, yeah, cheering it on or anything. It was a lot of women that just like, yo, shorty wildin'. 48 fucking oysters. Like, <laughs> hey, bro, look, this full disclosure, everybody didn't see my picture. Y'all hear the husk in my voice? I'm a big dude. I like to eat. Like, I like to go dope places, and I like to take women I'm dating to dope places. Some are expensive, some are not expensive. If it's with somebody you really enjoy and like like being around, it's not going to be about the dollar amount either way. But it's a certain level of respect that you got to operate on with that. Like, bro, like, don't just order like fucking lobster on the first date if we go somewhere. But fellas, that's also why you don't take anybody to a seafood date on the first date. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. And I also saw some weirdos being like, oh, oysters are aphrodisiacs. 
She was, uh, he might have played, he should have played the long game. No, he was thinking about the long game, you dumb motherfuckers. You really think a woman that on a first day will order 48 uh, oysters and slob them down in front of the dude's face, expecting him to pay for it, was going, like, she was going to have sex with him? Now, let's be honest. I am not in any kind of way saying that a date should uh, result in sex or me buying you dinner should mean that you do something for me quid quo pro. Not one of those niggas. And hopefully I have put my reputation out here for five fucking years that y'all know I ain't one of these niggas. That's why it's weird for women and men to bring up that he should have quote unquote played the long game. That woman was not going to have sex with him. She clearly did not respect him enough. You know what was going to happen? And I posted this on Twitter. Not in so many words. She wasn't going to have sex with him. She might have had sex with somebody else. Oh, she probably left. She probably. She probably was planning on leaving that restaurant to go have sex with some other nigga that's, uh, <laughs> that she didn't dated or fucked in the past. More than likely, a nigga that she's fucked. Me and Bird talked about this a little bit on Twitter. You ain't wasting uh, horniness on no new new sex. You gotta go to old reliable, the one that gets the job done. <laughs> Let's be realistic. You really think if a woman orders that much food on a first date at lunch that she was going to play a long game that didn't involve running up this poor nigga's money? Like, get, be real, bro. That's how I know it's a lot of kids on fucking Twitter and shit. Because it'd be a whole lot of niggas be trying to fucking cape for nonsense behavior. Talk about a long game or all this shit. Nah, bro. Y'all clearly ain't never been out with a bad chick. For one, because people were saying they were surprised what she looked like when they looked up uh, her Instagram and shit. And her uh, TikTok. I wasn't surprised, bro. That's how bad bitches be eating. <laughs> bad bitches be eating like uh, Henry VIII and women that's making money be spending money like Nino Brown and the Cash Money Brothers. They be running it up. <laughs> I've been around enough women to see this shit, bro. That's how the game is. These dumb niggas. Hey, bro. You know, if you actually talk to women, like really talk to women, and like get to know them, not even on like, no, like trying to fuck to, if you really get to know women and have women friends and people you can trust around you, you see through a lot of bullshit. That shouldn't be your main, uh, encouragement as a uh a man to want to start listening to the women in your life 
but it's one of the uh like the benefits of friendship with women. You did. So yeah. Game fucked up, bro. Like I don't know. I'm so tired of seeing uh content creation about people going on dates and them filming everything. There's another viral thing that went uh on TikTok where a lady was in the car with a dude. They pull up to Cheesecake Factory and she refused to get out of the car because Cheesecake Factory is a chain restaurant and she's above that. That's that bullshit soft life wanna be faux feminist whatever bullshit. It's that new shit. It's not rooted in any actual equality or uh It's not rooted in any actual equality or gains for women in society. It's just trying to do that old conservative bullshit of this is how women used to be in the past. And whatever, bro. There's got to be a balance. Should we be able to go to Cheesecake and have a nice, reasonably priced meal? Yes. On other dates, should you go out the box and not just do the standard dinner and a movie shit? Yes. But at the same goddamn time, don't you order no goddamn 48 oysters. I feel like that's a super flex also. Not like the kind of flex that's like cool or show that you bout some balling ass shit. That's the kind of weird flex to show that I don't give a fuck about you. And brothers, if a woman does that to you first date, ain't nothing going to change second date. Save yourself. (laughs) Save your fucking respect. And walk out (laughs) on her in the middle of the meal. No, just playing. Hey, bro, you got a... Hey, she called me a broke nigga. For a hundred, like if you come back with a tab, one hundred eighty-five dollars. I don't give a fuck. That ain't one of them, uh, like stupid clips of being like, "Dang, she ordered four drinks." You don't think ordering four drinks is a lot? Nah, they ain't even no bullshit. If she ordered four drinks and they were just expensive, I get that shit. That's the game, bro. You got to manage how you drinking at a bar. But yeah. It's got to be a level, and I'm tired of seeing, like, it's got to be a middle of all this shit. Because shit is getting out of hand. And I just hope that these young people that are watching this nonsense aren't thinking that that's how reality should be. I'm sure there will be people like that. But you're going to end up losing out on a lot of good people. Trying to do some stuff to impress uh, social media. You're going to look like a real McAsshole. Trying to uh do some stuff you saw on TikTok in real life. And you're going to hurt people. Possibly yourself. So, I mean, it's just something to think about. But, yeah. <laughs> the 48 Laws of Oysters is insane. Like, what kind of bullshit? How many people has she done that to? 
like <laughs> what was the thing uh the the twitter swindler swindler or whatever from like last year what if she's like the oyster bandit bandit of a uh, of buckhead or some shit don't get me wrong, she's fine as hell, but she's fine as hell in a specific way that lets me know what kind of game it was. And brother, everybody ain't got that. And that ain't even a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying, a lady like that? Nah, bro. That's a very specific type. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of our links and merchandise at www.thesuburbanpodcast.com. You can also get your listens in on any of these streaming services, such as Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe.